everybody. Uh, welcome to a new episode of DFV. Um, we got your main host, Brad, here. And uh, I'm your co-host, Black Cinephile. Uh, I say main host because uh, this this is this is his world, folks. We, we finally made it to, um, you know, Brad's uh, favorite film of all time, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And, uh, you know, we're go- also going to talk about the new um, anime miniseries, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. So, you know, uh, Brad, I know you've been waiting on this, man. You've been waiting for a long time for this. Yeah, I, I want to say that I first suggested a Scott Pilgrim versus episode back in probably the 20s or 30s for our episode numbers. So a long time ago, considering we're in like episode 140 something right now. And mm. I finally won. I have finally succeeded in convincing you to do a Scott Pilgrim episode. Well, initially, we were going to do our favorite movies for our 100th episode. We yep. were going to do Scott Pilgrim versus the world versus Kill Bill. And uh, I think I think we was going to bite the bullet and just choose volume one or two because I didn't want to put you through that. But uh, in the end, you were just like, you know what? Let's let's save Scott Pilgrim for another time. Yeah. I'm like, what? You, you think your movie's better than my movie? What, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> let's just save it for another time. So... Uh, lo and behold, we have this, um, you know, new anime series, um, you know, uh, co-created by the uh, creator himself, Brian Lee O'Malley, yep. uh, that came to Netflix recently. And it's, it's just the perfect time as any. Yeah, it, it basically. So when we were scheduling that episode, the rumors had started floating out that Brian Lee O'Malley was working on a new thing for Scott Pilgrim. And it was like, hold on. If we can get Scott Pilgrim teamed up with something else, because there's a lot of great movies to pair up Kill Bill with. So it was like, okay, if there's another chance here, I want to try and do that with it. And Mm -hmm. a couple months later, we eventually got the animated series to be announced. And yeah, here we are now, finally taking it over. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's just... It's down to the nitty gritty here, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for you because uh, I can tell this is a, this is an episode where you just can't wait to go. Okay, well now I speak yeah. multiple <laughs> times throughout this episode, but um, let's just start off here, man. Um, I, I know you're not a fan of a uh, chronolo- chron- chronology, uh, but you know, I really feel like this works for for this episode here, man. I feel like we got to talk about the movie before we just dip into the series. Just makes sense. It, you know what I. I agree. Uh, I'll let you have this one. You can't ruin my day anyway, so I'll let you have this small victory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got first off, we got um, Edgar Wright's film, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, came out in 2010. And uh, this pretty much revolves around, you know, Scott Pilgrim, who is a, uh, you know, a slacker musician in a, in a band with his uh, friends and, um, you know, ex-girlfriend um, who is, uh, you know, they're trying to win a competition, and uh, in his dreams, he comes across a woman by the name of Ramona Flowers that literally soars, li- literally skates through his dreams as a delivery route for her, uh, you know, job. And uh, he falls in love with her. And while falling in love with her, he realizes he has to battle her seven evil exes. And that's pretty much the movie. He's just going through the several even seven evil exes to win the love of uh, Ramona. And that that's the bare bones plot of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, that that basically summarizes this movie. 
is we have the classic love story of I want to be with you, but I got to beat up seven people to get to you first. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I've done my part. Uh, let me know when you're done. <laughs> now now you can no, go no, away no. for the next two hours and uh, I'll, I'll almost be done talking about the movie. So, yeah, obviously, this is my favorite movie of all time. It is one of those movies that has perfect cinematography from Edgar Wright mixed with the storyline and all these background details, everything else that kind of pull in perfectly. And the first part of this movie is almost like a one for one copy of the first book. Basically, everything up to the first Evil X is straight from the book written by Brian Lee O'Malley, who also was a producer on the movie and helped with a lot of the work going into the script writing and some of the processes behind the scenes with, you know, toward the end of it. Because while this movie was being written, the fifth and sixth books had not come out yet. The fifth book was still in its writing phase, and the sixth book wasn't even kind of like on, you know, Brian Lee O'Malley's mind yet for how it was all going to go down. So when they were writing the movie, they kind of had to come up with their own ending based on little notes that Brian had written for where he wanted to go with the book series. So it's an interesting thing as the movie progresses and it starts to stray a little bit away from the books as a result of that, but in a way that works out because there's so many much detail in the books that would have never been able to make it into the movie just because this is an hour and a half movie, you know, or a little bit over two hours, I guess almost two hours. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good length. It's a, no, it's less than that. It's like 112 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it it clocks in like a decent sized movie. And I know we've complained about long movie lengths all the time. I don't know how you feel about the length of this movie and everything. Actually, I didn't mind it. Um, the first time I saw this film was in college. Um, I think we were talking about like transmedia. Uh, so basically, um, you know, some like a, a type of film that has like different types of media in it. This one has like, you know, you you got the video game like like type of design, mm-hmm. little animation in it as well, uh, combined with live action. So they use this film as an example. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, when I watched this film, I said, "Ah, oh, man, that was actually pretty cool." I because I had known about Scott Pilgrim when it first came out, I just wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I said, "Oh, that's that film with Michael Sarah," you know, and I didn't know much about it. So when I watched it in class, I was like, "That's pretty cool." And then that's when I realized, oh, there's a whole graphic novel series that comes with this. So looking at it today, uh, a little older, um, I definitely like, you know, catch more of like what makes the film great with Edgar Wright's directing, uh, the the uh, the transitionary titles, uh, you know, Edgar Wright's uh, classic close up, you know, his classic, uh, you know, the way he moves his camera. It's Mm -hmm. a very kinetic movie and it doesn't feel like 112 minutes. It goes by pretty damn fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If when it comes to like Edgar Wright's style, everything that you expect from Edgar Wright is in this movie. And I think the this movie, when it comes to its transitions, it, Edgar Wright has it down it, like to the nail of every single piece falling into place. Because if you think about like the scene with him, with Scott, you know, shopping around with um when he's like shopping and everything with knives. Yeah. 
it, it comes down to every transition that they're going through. He uses a sound effect as the transition to go between scene and scene. You know, so you have the bus driving by that shows them kind of walking down the street. Then you hear the clanking of the hangers as they're going through the store and, you know, Knives is going through the different shirts and everything there. And then you start hearing like the chimes of a door opening before they go into the transition of them in the store. And it's very fast paced, but at the same time, it all flows so well. One of my favorite ones is uh, when he tells Ramona, like, hey, you know, we're going to be uh, playing at uh, such and such. She goes, what? I said, we're going to be playing at. And then it's a cut to the name of the place. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I love those type of cuts, man. I, like, I feel like it, it keeps the film jazzy. It keeps it at a jazzy pace. And, you know, I got to I got to I got to mention this, man, because I don't know if this played as well back then as it doesn't play well today. But, you know, Scott is 22 years old and, you know, Knives is. 17 yeah <laughs> like like they, they make it known like bro you're dating a 17 year old i was like when, when when scott pilgrim first appears on on set uh, on screen i'm like this dude is just begging to be on to catch a predator mm-hmm. and to be the type of ones that go I, I really was just here to eat cookies like I, i'm really not here to do anything right yeah it, i love how they bring it up and everything like that because it's basically trying to say it, scott isn't grown up you know, he's trying to live his childhood still and everything like that. And in part of that, that's what he, that means a little bit. But everybody around him always goes, yeah, you, you shouldn't be dating a teenager. Like, I love Wallace's lines for it. It's like, you know, she's only out for a couple hours and everything. So it's not really dating. It's more like uh, babysitting. No, but, <laughs> you know, like yeah, everybody I- gets in on him on it. Like nobody goes, oh, yeah, it's fine. Everybody. Like goes really, seventeen year old. I just don't see the point of that for the character. That just makes him look creepy. I understand as the film goes on, you get to know him more. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I just don't get that as a plot device. Like I, I still don't get it. It's one of those things to show that he's not exactly a good person, and it's another thing that in his head he really doesn't see them as really dating too much. It's more that they're just super good friends but that doesn't help with its creep factor like it's one of those things that it in the universe of the movie it constantly like goes through you know i can't believe he's dating a 17 year old like when his sister finds out and you know all his bandmates find out like nobody goes oh yeah that's cool i think the only one that is okay with it is young neil because he's also a teenager and he sees no problem with it Oh, yeah. Young Neil. Oh, man. Hey, dude, it's so many um, memorable people in this movie, man. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the thing, I, part of what I like about this and why I forgive it for, you know, that that one thing that's a flaw to me. But um, I feel like, you know, each of the characters fit well within this. You know, Ramona is the nice type of like laid back, sexy chick that has kind of like a checkered past with her exes. So she's imperfect, but she's the perfect kind of imperfect because Scott is imperfect. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I like I love Wallace. You know, I feel like Wallace has like some of the best one liners. You know, Ke- Karen Culkin's performance in that in that role was a, is great. Um, I like uh, to go down the list. Um, you know, uh, Chris Evans's uh, Lucas, Lucas Lee, Brandon Roof's Todd, Jason Schwartzman, who oh, I think steals the show when he's on screen as oh, a yeah. G man. 
Uh, yeah, dude, they just got a great cast here. And this is before any, you know what I'm saying, like Captain Marvel, uh, you know, just go down the list of uh, like Secession, like um, anything that these uh, like, you know, cast members have done since then. Um, yeah, this is like a great time to get these uh, great, great actors when they were young and like, you know, really coming out before Captain America. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had Bill Hader as a... Uh, was he like the narrator? He or? was the narrator. So he did all the voiceover for basically any of the title cards. He is the one that says, you know, level up, you know, Scott wins. Mm. Like all those are done by Bill Hader, which is fantastic. Yeah, we got Anna Kendrick. We got Brie Larson. Uh, we had a great cast here, man. Like, yeah. you know, this is one of those, uh, what's that old film? The Outsiders, where you had like a young Tom Cruise, Matt Dillon and people in that in that movie. Like, this was like a very like uh, before they really made it big type of cast. Yeah, because this one, basically you have, when this came out, the cast was basically like going, oh, Michael Sarah, I know him from Arrested Development and Brandon Ruth. He was Superman, wasn't he? And everybody else was kind of like this either unknown actor or they played very small roles up to that point i think before i think when this movie came out i knew chris evans for this this terrific b movie thriller named cellular oh okay that, oh and, and fantastic four uh oh that's right yes he was in fantastic yeah. four i always forget that he played as johnny storm in that yeah, yeah that, that's another thing that uh I hope to God they make a reference to that in the future in the MCU with the way that everything's going right now at some point, but we'll see. But yeah, it this cast is it's very fresh for the time. And it's crazy that the cast of this movie all stays in contact with each other because of this movie. Like Chris Evans oh, has nice. even like made comments and this is like throughout, you know, the last you know decade and everything since this movie came out where he'll talk about Scott Pilgrim was his like first big like on set kind of acting gig that he got in a movie. And it was just so much fun and he loved everybody he worked with. And it was one of the reasons that he continued going for like superhero ish roles because he had hmm. so much fun working on this movie where he got to be like this powerful kind of person. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So let me ask you this, like, because I'm just curious here, asking Brad here, what makes this your favorite movie? Uh, For me, a lot of it comes down to the cinematography, how fun the characters are and everything like that. So, like, for example, when Matthew Patel comes in as the first evil ex, you think of, like, a villain, and he comes in all dramatic Scott immediately just punches him out of the air in like a standstill position. He lands and then goes, but why are we fighting? I don't understand. And it's just the humor of it. The action sequences, the cinematography, everything just matches up for this movie to make it just such a fun experience to go through. And it's got some great jokes, some great one liners, mostly from Wallace. I will admit when it comes to the one liners, Mm -hmm. but there's, so many like hidden details in it too that when you talk about a movie that has so much love put into it that you start reading up on like fun facts about this movie like you start going through like the second evil x lucas lee and it's like okay 
well, how many things could they put for him being the second evil X? Okay, let's put a two on the trailer that he comes out of when he's at the movie set. Oh, also, he points with two fingers. Oh, he has a number two tattooed on his arm. Uh, he has two bands on. He also uh, speaks in like twos for some of his lines for the way that he talks. There's just so many things that he does related to the number two. And then you get to Brandon Ruth as Todd Ingram and all the posters on that. He's a part of have the number three on it. He's in a band of three members. You know, he has three stripes on his band on his wrist. You know, he has the number three on his shirt. Uh, He punches Scott through three walls. You know, it, it, when you start noticing those details, it becomes like this almost trivia or this like fun eye spot kind of thing for the, the movie of figuring out mm. what are all the references for every single evil X related to their number. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, I never, I never knew. I never knew all that, man. Okay. So that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. It, de- it definitely seems like there's a puzzle box of things you would notice. Like the more you watch this movie and you, you notice that with Edgar Wright, like, um, what is it called? The Cornetto trilogy. Yes. Yep. I, I don't remember. I don't remember any scene in each of those movies where I saw a Cornetto cup, but I'm sure they they pop up in obscure obscure moments, and because of that, he calls it the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, it's uh, in Walk uh, Shaun of the Dead. It's when he's first going to the convenience store after the outbreak mm-hmm. has started. What he's buying is a Cornetto ice cream, and then in Hot Fuzz, what they're doing when they're like on break is you know. Uh, Nick Frost character buys a Cornetto from that little shop. So it, it's not so much a in your face thing. It, it just happened to be like a thing that happened in those two movies. And then people were like, well, are they going to buy a Cornetto in the third one? And Edgar Wright caught on and was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll figure out how to sneak that in there. And it just became known as the Cornetto trilogy by fans. And Edgar Wright was oh. like, yeah, I'll, I'll pull that. You know, I like that. That's funny. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I never knew that either. Um, Okay, so, you know, when you're looking at a film like this, you know, it's fresh, uh, you know, great humor, great pace and everything. Uh, I see here that, you know, it was a box office bomb, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those great films that, you know, created a cult following and uh, I'm assuming made a lot of money on the DVD side of the game or... Oh, yeah. When it comes to... This is one of those movies that... Yeah, it was a box office bomb, but if you look at what was coming out that week and everything like that, it was a stacked week. It had was up against like the Expendables, the first one. It was up against mm-hmm. a couple other like pretty big names. And so it was already going in against itself with that weekend as its opening. And it, you got to remember how many movies came out in 2010 that everything <laughs> So it really didn't have any way to stick out during that time it released. But it was when it hit like streaming services, Netflix, uh, especially after the sixth book came out and there was a huge push for it because people could finally read the end of the story mm-hmm. that it really started taking off and it just kept going year after year. And a big part of what really pushed it into like, people's knowledge is the Scott Pilgrim video game made by Ubisoft, 
which in 2012 got pulled from the marketplace and it became an unplayable game. Unless you had bought it previously, there was no way to buy it. It was all digital. And it became like this lost game that most people were like, well, how do I play it? And people would go, oh, it's such a good game, but you can't play it. So that added to it's like people looking up, what's Scott Pilgrim? Why is this game so popular that nobody's able to play? And it just roller coastered from there as well. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I was going to say, you know, I like how certain points of dialogue are taken so literally like um, like towards the end. uh, She's a you know, Scott is about to uh, fight. What's my man's name? G man. And uh, yeah, Gideon. And, um, you know, Ramona says to him, like, um, Scott says, "Why, why are you with this guy? It makes no sense. I can't control myself around him. You know, she says that to him the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Then she says it to him a second time. And he goes, okay, now you're just being mean. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm standing right here. <laughs> she goes, no, no, I, I really can't control myself around him. And then she turns around and shows him my control device on. <laughs> like, I love how he, he doesn't really get what she's saying until she explains it to him. Yeah, there there's a lot of great jokes in this that have that kind of payoff. And I, I think one of my favorites that is a blink and miss it kind of thing is when he's fighting Todd Ingram and he punches knives and, you know, punches the highlights of her her hair, which is still a hilarious thing on its own of just having young Neil. He punched the highlights out of her hair, you know, Mm -hmm. but he says, what? I'm not afraid to hit a girl, which is a callback to later when Scott is fighting Roxy, the next evil ex. And he's going, I'm not going to hit a girl. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where it's like, OK, I get that call back. That's funny. I like that. And it, even that, like, there's so many, like, in jokes of everything else that it, you wouldn't really catch on the first thing. Like, there's a Spinal Tap reference in this movie in the scene with him going up against the Katanagi twins. And when they're twisting the volumes, one of them pushes it to five and the other one pushes theirs to six, making 11. <laughs> so yeah, I remember you're so stuck on that scene. We were talking about spider Tap. Oh, it's we such like, a great scene. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, I, I didn't catch that at all. Uh, it's in uh, Kanji. So it's not something you would catch unless... You know, you heard about it from somewhere else or you can read kanji. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. I I forgot I'm talking to somebody that's that's loved this movie for years. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I, I I got you. All right. Oh well that that that's pretty cool as well. Um okay. Uh well I mean is there anything else you want to cover on this? I mean, it when it comes to this movie, it just Everybody talks about, like, what is the perfect casting for X movie and everything? Hmm. Scott Pilgrim, I think, hit it straight off with perfect casting. I know a lot of people are against Michael Sarah and aren't a fan of him and everything like that. But him as Scott works perfectly, I think. Well, now, now, do you think they say that because they read the, uh, the manga first and then saw the movie and said, what, him? Like, like, why do you think that is? I well, first off, I think a lot of people just don't like Michael Sarah because they go, well, he just does the same character in every movie. 
I, I've heard that a couple times and everything like That's that. That's not totally true. Which, yeah, it's he does aim toward a certain character for a lot of his stuff, but it's not entirely the same character all the time. But it, when it comes down to it, he's a good casting, even if you're like reading the book and thinking like who would fit for this role. And obviously the books go a lot more in depth with the character development of everybody because you have six books for Scott to go through stuff because there's a lot in the books. Like Nega Scott is a much bigger presence in the books than he is in the movie where he just kind of shows up at the end as this joke of like, oh, Scott has to fight his evil self. And then it turns out, oh, because Scott's such a terrible person, his evil self is actually a good guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that's pretty funny too. When when he walks up with the evil guy. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I like how uh when you hear about uh kind of how that all went down. Like uh originally they were gonna have an ending where he goes back with knives. Mm-hmm. Again, that would have been creepy. Uh, and then um I think they had, I think O'Malley didn't like that ending, and so him and Edgar Wright worked together and came up with the ending where he walks away with Ramona. Yeah, it was actually a lot of test screenings were going. Uh, it was like a 50 50 split and Edgar Wright and Brian Lee O'Malley kind of got together and they were like, well, if we rewrite it, how would we rewrite it for him to be with Ramona at the end? And that's actually what inspired the books to end in the same way, because at that point, Brian Lee O'Malley hadn't finished the sixth book yet. So the movie's ending actually inspired the ending for the books. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. All right. Listen, um, I, I my rating just don't matter at the end of the day because uh, <laughs> you, you love this movie. But uh, if, I, if I'm going to keep it real here, uh, you know, just, just keeping it real, I give this a, a very strong four. Okay. And yeah, I, I think you can already tell what I would rate this movie, but I'll, I'll just throw it out there anyway. It, it's a five out of five. It's mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that could be changed in this movie to make it better, in my opinion. OK, there it is. All right. Now we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of this uh, whole discussion here. Yeah, the, the real reason we're all sitting here today. <laughs> Which brings us to Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, the brand new anime series animated by Science Saru, but written by Brian Lee O'Malley and Ben David uh, Grabinski. We have a retelling of the Scott Pilgrim story where Scott Pilgrim meets a Ramona Flowers who they instantly hit it off. And upon finding out in order to be with her, he must fight her seven evil exes. He is approached by Matthew Patel, the first evil ex, at which point, surprise, surprise, Scott loses the first fight and dies. And the rest of the series proceeds with Ramona Flowers trying to figure out what happened to Scott after having this amazing first date with him and discovering that it might not just be that he has died, but somebody has faked his death for some purpose. And that brings us through this series. And I, I got to ask first off, uh, when you were watching this, what were your thoughts going into that first episode? See, so the, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Um, I remember, you know, Brad had messaged me and said, Hey man, <laughs> watch the movie first, <laughs> then the show. I was like, I mean, does it really matter? 
it's, it's just a remake, ain't it? He says, just just watch the movie first, and then I'll quiz you. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I want to see quiz. how many differences you can pick up between the movie and the show. <laughs> so I said, all right, man, whatever you say. Because that was what I was going to do anyway. So I watched the movie, and then, you know, after work, I put on the show, watched it all in one night. Um, but anyway, when I when I got to that first episode and everything's going along, you know, we meet Scott, we meet mm-hmm. his uh, friends, we meet Knives. I go, OK, so this is kind of like a, a direct remake of the movie. OK, I got you. How they go? How they going to stretch this into, uh, you know, uh, eight episodes? I don't know. So as it's going along and I'm seeing everything being done beat by beat by beat, I go, yeah, this is just for the fans. But, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do it to make Brad. I'll watch it to make Brad happy. But um, you know, uh when uh, when he's fighting um Matthew Patel. Uh, Patel right, when he's fighting Matthew Patel and then all of a sudden he's gone and you see the coins drop and then the episode ends, I go, Whoa, wait a minute. No, I, I what I said was, okay, and the next episode is probably gonna be like a bad dream and he's gonna redo it and he's gonna go through the other exes. And then the second episode starts with the funeral. I said, <laughs> Oh shit, did he actually die? <laughs> I was like, I know they're gonna bring him back. It's Scott, it's Scott Pilgrim. But right. I said, oh, they actually killed him off, like for the for the time being. It, it threw me for a loop. It really did. So I, I will tell you how I watched that is when it first went through the you know retelling of the first book, more or less. It, I was starting to get worried with it. I'll be honest because it was speeding through stuff. Because uh-huh. if you're actually watching the movie. Matthew Patel comes in at about like 30, 35 minutes. And Mm -hmm. the first episode is about 25 ish minutes long. So they're going through all that material at that same pace. And they're adding a couple little things here and there from the books that weren't in the movie. And they're taking a lot of stuff out to meet that deadline. And I was starting to get worried when Matthew Patel showed up at the end of the first episode because I was like, oh, they're going to really breeze through this. This is going to I'm kind of worried here. This is going fast and this is going to be eight episodes. They're not going to have time to do a lot of good buildup of characters if this is how the pacing is going to be. And I was starting to like go, am I not going to like the anime? That's going to suck if I don't like the anime. And then Scott died. And I was like, oh, Okay, that's a little different. I wonder where they're gonna go with this. And then the second episode starts, and it's a funeral. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, this is yeah, this is gonna be a very different thing." <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm watching it, and in the funeral, I'm like, "Okay, okay," putting my storyteller hat on. He'll be back at some point, but for mm-hmm. now, he he's gone. Right. So let, let let's see where we're going here. So I guess we're following Ramona, and then um, <laughs> you know, knives comes out at the funeral and goes. That woman killed my boyfriend. Yeah. She goes, that's that's kind of an exaggeration. Uh <laughs> I I didn't kill him. He, 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 you know, he my my ex killed him and exploded him into coins. And right. yeah, I I will say, so the first episode immediately it you know, it goes through all the paces. The second episode is really where the meat of this show starts, which is yes. You get to see the fight between Matthew Patel and Gideon, who, which is a fantastically animated fight. Like when we were getting to that fight scene, I was just going, "Okay, I'm going to love this series. Absolutely. I can tell 
because science saru is knocking this out of the park for a fight scene Mm -hmm. yeah i listen when i saw that fight listen when that when that scene first came up and they had like the seven evil exes table i said okay so he defeated scott pilgrim and then matthew patel says yeah i defeated him and i should be able to date ramona right like that should be a prize Mm-hmm. And, and I and I I'm thinking to myself like that is kind of fair like he did he did, <laughs> he kill, did win he killed, like he he beat Scott he should be able to date Ramona and you know uh, of course you know Gideon is like arrogant saying no you know you're uh you're ex number one you know you're 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 not relevant to the whole grand scheme of things mm-hmm. so when that fight starts happening I'm sitting there surprised like you no know, at first I'm like okay Gideon's gonna win because he he's the main guy he's the main enemy. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the time it's done and he loses, I'm like, man, this 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 show really is taking me for a loop. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love how every time I'm like, oh, I can kind of see where this is going to go. Nope, it's not going there at all. And I think it was by the end of the third episode that I was like, I'm in for the ride. I'm not going to guess anymore because clearly that's not working on this show. <laughs> I'm just going to go for the ride on it. And yeah, it's I, I will say absolutely it when it comes to an adaptation and everything that brian lee o'malley has been saying about this show where he was like it's not a remake you know it's not a sequel Mm -hmm. it's gonna be scott pilgrim but it's gonna be its own thing and that's exactly what this is Hmm. yeah okay i can i can definitely understand that someone that hasn't read the uh read the books i can definitely like uh understand that um, I like how, uh, you know, the, the story for the most part has us kind of following Ramona as she becomes a detective, kind of re- trying to understand what happened. And through her, we have reconciliation with her and her exes. Like it mm-hmm. becomes a way more mature story. Well, not saying that the, the original story isn't mature, but it becomes a way more emotional, emotionally uh, deaf uh, type of story where uh, she gets to like reconcile with her exes about why it didn't work out and, and like kind of take ownership of her decisions on how she broke up with them and stuff. Right. Yeah. Because in the movie and in the books and everything, Scott takes on the evil exes in order to be able to date Ramona and it fits for that story and everything, but having Ramona have to actually deal with her exes and have to find that closure. And she's the one that's in charge of closing out these stories with these characters it it does hit completely differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because um, what I like is that you know she reconciles with uh, you know Roxy in the, in in the videotape store, mm-hmm. and the next one you know it's her reconciling with uh, Lucas. But I like how Lucas episode is kind of like we we follow him in the beginning. We follow yeah. a guy that's like kind of on the tail end of his fame. You know, his movies ain't selling as much as they used to. And he just has I love that song that plays. Yeah. You know, I was at the uh, uh, bar with this girl the other night and uh, I was like, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> United States of whatever is what that song is. It, it was it, it's a very popular song. <laughs> I never heard that song until that episode, man. Oh, yeah, it is. I will say it fits in with Lucas Lee's persona so perfectly that when it started playing, I was like, oh, OK, yeah, yep, yeah, I absolutely agree with this choice this is perfect and i'll I'll even i'm gonna take a moment here to actually note one of the other things with the episodes that they do 
is every title card is referencing some video game or right, something yeah, yeah, of yeah. some kind. So the first one, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, is a reference to the Mario Brothers, the Super Mario Brothers logo and everything like that. That's the style that the font is in. Uh, the League of Their Own, which is the second episode, is a Street Fighter reference. Uh, Ramona Rents a Video is a Bubble Bobble reference. Uh, whatever, which is the fourth episode with Lucas Lee, which has the song United States or whatever is actually based on a video game title called Skate or Die, which fits perfectly mm. with Lucas Lee's entire like skateboard persona as well. Mm. And I'm trying to remember what the next one is. It was uh, Lights, Camera, Sparks, which was Mega Man 2. Uh, then we got Too Scott, Too Furious, which was a play on words from Too Fast, Too Furious. As too well, Scott, Too Pilgrim. Too Scott, Too Pilgrim. That's it. Too yeah. Scott, Too Pilgrim, which is a play on words of fit Too Fast, Too Furious. And it's using the Scott Pilgrim video game text font. Mm-hmm. And then the final one, or no, there's also the Who Done It, which was Pac Man. And I'm trying to remember what the font was for the final one. Uh, Oh, Clash at Demon Head, which was a Nintendo Entertainment System game. Mm, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I wanted to tell you, man, I, I love being a surprising way that this show kind of takes off. I love how the surprising relationships come out of nowhere, too. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you got the uh, the love affair between Wallace and... Um, and oh, Todd, Todd Ingram. <laughs> Yeah, you got the love affair between Wallace and Todd. You got Julie and G-Man uh, getting together. Julie and Gideon getting together because Gideon was actually uh, used to be Gordon Goose yep. as a kid. So that's somebody from Julie's past. Like, I love like the surprising turns this takes. Yeah, it definitely it it goes in such strange directions, and mm. all of them work. You know, like Wallace would totally try and steal Todd Ingram away from Envy. One, because he hates Envy with a passion and will do anything to hurt her. And two, uh, he finds, you know, basically all of Ramona's evil exes incredibly hot. And, you know, uh, in the movie, he even makes reference to like, oh, yeah, I'm just here to find my new hetero life mate with uh, Lucas Lee. And... So him going after Todd Ingram is just absolutely perfect with Todd Ingram falling for Wallace, even though Wallace is like, no, it's just a cheap fling. Don't don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he seems more of a dick in this one than than he than he was in the movie. But like, uh, I still I still like him, though. Mm-hmm. He, he comes off as a little bit more mean, I think the line that really makes him come off as mean is when he finds out that Scott might be alive and his response is, well, if you find him, tell him that I changed the locks on the doors. And if you find me again, remind me to change the locks on the doors. And it, it just yeah. kind of comes off as mean. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn man. Like you, you that, like, I don't know if this is just a heightened anime world, but I was like, damn dude, that's cold. I thought you were a friend, but um, yeah, for sure. I uh, I wanted to say uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh, it did the kiss between Kim and Roxy. That was pretty funny. 
Roxy uh, comes off like a very, very, very aggressive uh, woman. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I like when Ramona's like, uh, hey, you know, like we could just be friends. I'm, I'm sorry for the way I did you, right? But we could just be friends. Okay. You want to make out and talk about it? <laughs> no. Yeah. And then she kisses, uh, Kim. she kisses Kim. And then Kim is like, eh, worth a shot. Did, did I, she, they didn't feel no sparks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kim says something about her friend. And then Roxy says, oh, Oh, is, is, is she available? Is she coming today? Yeah, is she coming and back? They're, right, there. Ramona's like, okay, I think you should go home now. Yeah. And I love that as she's leaving, she's just, like, whistling the hamster dance theme, which is just another little, like, okay, yeah, that's funny. That That's a nice little cute nod to everything that, you know, the culture that came from this movie originally. Hmm. Uh... I was going to say, uh, you know, your boys, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, were the uh, studio security guards. Yes. So when they first came up, I caught Nick Frost right away. And I was like, that's Nick Frost. I didn't catch Simon Pegg was the other guard until I think it was the next episode and they had a line. And I was like, wait, that's Simon Pegg as well. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Why, why would it be just Nick Frost and some random guy as the two security guards? It would be Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, we, got, we got the director. Uh, I, I knew you would, You probably geeked out about this. They, we got the director of the um, Young Neil script, uh, quote-unquote. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Edgar Wrong. Uh, who's trying to bring uh what was it called uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life? The name of Scott Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life uh, to life, and he goes through like so many setbacks. I actually felt sorry for this guy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, envy and uh, envy and Todd keep making out. Now it's uh, you know, Todd's making out with uh, Wallace, and the movie's just going to crap. And the whole time, Ramona's just sneaking on set as a envy's assistant trying to get to the bottom of like where is scott pilgrim who took him and things of that nature yeah and i also love how it's young neil who wrote it and he so the reason that he writes a movie and gets into like a screenplay and stuff like that is because in the first episode one of the big differences that they made of it before scott takes off is that the crash and the boys don't show up and they're talking going, well, I think they're getting rid of the and boys part of their band name. Well, that would just make them crash, which would be the same as the movie from da da da. And somebody goes, what, are you a cinephile now? Cinephile? What's that? And then the next episode, it's like him going, oh, well, now that I've discovered that I'm a cinephile, I, I should really do something with this talent of mine. <laughs> That's funny. That's so odd. Uh, it, it, and it makes sense that they bring up Crash. That's a David Cronenberg movie. Yeah. David Cronenberg is a Canadian director. So it makes sense that they brought that movie up. So like, but it's so obscure to be like, oh, what are you, a cinephile now? What's a cinephile? Like, yeah. like, like, like hearing a new word. That's hilarious. Yeah. It, it also ties into when they're doing the documentary about the making of the movie and everything that went wrong. Uh, young Neil is wearing a Cronenberg for president shirt. Again, referencing back to Crash. Have you seen Crash? I have seen Crash. That's a very dark movie. It's a very interesting movie. I I originally heard of it from a comedy skit that was making fun of it. And I was like, there's no way that that's that's a movie. And I watched it. Yeah, that's a movie. (laughs) 
You're talking about the James Spader one, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's funny. He has Cronenberg for president on his shirt. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, you know, if, if you're ready to move on to that, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, the future of Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Okay. So we got uh, my man, uh, uh, Will Forte, who voices uh, future Scott. Um, so when we're in the future with Scott, you know, he, he's walking with younger Scott, basically present day Scott. And uh, I like how at one point they're at their house. Well, they're at they're at Wallace's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Scott says something. I forgot what he says, but present day Scott says something. Oh, Scott goes, <laughs> who are we talking to here? Knives Chow? Because he says something like so geeky. What does he say? I'm trying to remember what it was that he said, but I know exactly what you're talking about because yeah. It, it's. He ge- yeah, he geeks out about something that his future self says. Right, right. And uh, I love the the references he makes and that he kind of gives him the uh, the goggles that look in the past. Right. Um, yeah. Based on the virtual of... boy. <laughs> right, right, right. And then he realizes that, you know, him and Ramona got married. Uh, they going through a divorce currently. And, uh, you know, you know, President Scott is like, wait, what? We got married. Go, divorce. What's what's going on? And so he kind of realizes uh, that, you know, old Scott was the one that um, I believe pulled him in mm. uh, like like when the fight was happening, because he says, dude, I want to prevent all of this. Like, you know, I, I want I want to prevent you from like ruining your life. So I like how they take the plot line of, uh, you know, your future self actually becomes your enemy because they it's kind of like Looper kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love that movie. But, you know, it's kind of like Looper where, like, Bruce Willis is the future version of jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character trying to prevent the future from happening. But he only becomes the the villain um, as the film goes on. Right. And it also, like, it, it plays on the fact that Scott is not a perfect person in any regard. He is a very mm-hmm. flawed person. So as soon as something starts to go wrong in the relationship between him and Ramona. He freaks out and does what is possibly the worst thing possible by bringing his younger self in to try and convince his younger self not to date Ramona in order to make it so that his future never happens and he can live in his idea of peacefully because he will not have gone through the heartbreak of with Ramona. And I love how when they're talking with the future version of Wallace And young Scott goes, so I broke up with Ramona and it it was bad. And he's like, well, remember your breakup with Envy was about like 10 times worse than that. Mm, Yeah. And then uh, (laughs) then we realize, uh, you know, we're in Wallace's house and Wallace is married to uh, uh, the creator of Nintendo. And um, (laughs) what I like about that is that... um, you know, present day Scott is, you know, his eyes get all googly eyed. Like, so you have access to every game? Yeah. And then, you know, and Wallace is like, no, I don't. And then, oh, Scott is like, yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> he totally does. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Which is actually a throw to a character that is never introduced in the movie, but is in the books named Mobile. And he is who we see, like, in the epilogue with, uh, with Wallace at the end 
where he's like traveling the world and he meets somebody and everything like that. Uh, his mm-hmm. name is Mobile. And that is the character from the book that Wallace ends up with in the end as well. Wait, so it's not the creator of Nintendo? It's not the creator. He works at Nintendo. Oh, oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right. So we, we got that together. And, uh, you know, I like how uh, things take a, um, you know, kind of like a, a, a left uh, a left turn when, you know, Scott comes back to, uh, you know, present day. And then he realizes, like, none of the evil exes want to fight him. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> so he, so he, every, every ex that comes, he kind of, like, tries to challenge them. And they're like, dude, what's, what's, what's wrong with you? I don't, I don't want to fight you, man. You, you got right. the girl. Leave me alone. Right. Yeah, I, I love how each individual one like gives different. Like when Matthew Patel comes up, he's like, dude, I, I've got a play I'm about to star in. I do not care about you. Uh, when Gideon comes in, now Gordon, he's like, I'm I'm with Julie now. I could care less about you. Have fun doing whatever, man. I've I've got another plot that I'm busy, you know, cooking up. Uh, the twins, I love their response. It's just like, hey, Robot told us that we're cool in the future, so, you know, right on, man. And they just keep walking. It's great. it's such a great thing when we get to see, like, this opposite end of, like, the closure, because they all got closure that they're like, yeah, date Ramoda. I, I don't, it's fine. I have no ill toward that ending anymore. It comes to the point where even Lucas, when they're all sitting in the, um, in theater it goes like well go on kiss your girl like yeah. you know like uh I, I i love that man so uh we got all this going on and you know of course uh you know gideon is trying to he wants to take revenge against matthew and blow up the play but i want to take a step back because i love how gideon and lucas become best friends yeah that is one of the surprising episodes that i absolutely <laughs> loved and didn't know that i needed was seeing two of the exes actually like get you know down and have like this amazing friendship with each other and mm-hmm. i also love like when julie comes back home and the house is trashed and you know lucas is just like they built that ramp right they built a skate ramp in the middle of the living room and gordon's like who do you think would have done this me or him and she's like i don't care who did it just clean it up and fix my house and I love how right. Lucas is like, so does this mean that, you know, she's not going to let me stay here? What? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's a pretty funny scene. But um, so I got to say, in the end, when uh, a, a very much older and deranged Scott, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shows up and they, they you know, they, they got to fight him. Um, that That had to be inspired by the Flash. Uh, you know, you know the plot line with the Flash, where the Flash yeah. had to fight like the his older, deranged self. It, it's it's kind of a I don't know if it's a direct payoff to that, but it, it's a payoff to a lot of like those your evil future self kind of things. And mm-hmm. he's also like decked out like Ryu from Street Fighter with like the white pants, the red headband, and everything like that. I didn't so even catch that. Yeah. It, it, it's also a direct thing of like the evil Ryu that, you know, Ryu has to fight and everything. But I will say that that final fight scene is so great with all the X's coming in and helping. 
uh, Ramona like giving them things to like power them up, including the super broccoli that Todd Ingram gets in order to get his vegan powers back. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it definitely ties together like everything that they've been through up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I wanted to say I thought it was pretty funny how, uh, you know, uh, we had older Ramona as well come by and, um, you know, basically re- revealed that she was the one that like wrote the script and whoever she was like admitting this to. I forgot who she was talking to, but they were like, that's a pretty convoluted way to kind of like warn your past self of what's going on. She oh, goes, yeah. yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really thinking about it when I did it, but you know, it, it seemed like a clean plan. Yeah, it, it was, uh, he, she was talking to Scott, which is what makes it so much funnier that Scott's like, and you thought that this was all going to work. Like this was your plan <laughs> because Scott's an idiot. Right. Uh, well, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right on that one. Um, I like how, <laughs> I like how, so, how he's so much of an idiot that when the older Scott, I think, you know, speaks to the older Ramona, it's like, hey, you know, how about we just try it again? She goes, we just had a divorce. He was <laughs> like, oh, oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny to me. I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. It also, I one of the things that it, you know, during that ending fight and everything where old Ramona come or an even older Ramona comes in everything and is like, Scott, what are you doing? Come on, really? You're going to fight your younger self to try and make it convince you to not date me? And, you know, you have the whole thing of like, well, what do you want of like talking to like the younger Ramona and everything? And she picks like, well, she wants to be herself. She wants to be able to be herself. And it's like that nice little moment. It's like, oh, that's cute. Where... They combine everything, which is a callback to Supersonic, which is what they say at the beginning of the first episode when they first meet of, you know, oh, do you know about Sonic instead of the Pac-Man thing? Oh, I didn't catch that. Yep. So there's another thing with that that I'll get to in a minute as well. But when they go through it and I love how like older Scott goes, oh, man, it's just like Sonic 3, Sonic 2. That's what I meant. (laughs) Because younger Scott gets it right away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. I got you. Well, um, I wanted to say I love the epilogue. I love how everybody has, you know, a new life. You know, Matthew is like, uh, you know, uh, still doing the stage acting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas is <laughs> Lucas is working with Scott's sister as a barista. Yeah. Um, he's like getting all the tips, you know, because people love him. Uh, the, the The twins are still working in robotics, of course. You know, uh, Roxy is helping Todd, you know, get his uh, vegan powers or maintain them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the uh, I love the epilogue, man. Ramona is a stunt devil now, which is pretty cute. Um, Knives is, is a keyboardist now, you know. Envy yeah, she's is, a part is, of is, the sex bob as a keyboardist. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Envy kind of collaborates with them too, which I thought, oh, okay. They made Envy uh, nice as well. That's that's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how Gordon and Julie are like, you know, trying to be a, a power couple. Yeah, they're and, still know, evil. <laughs> right, right. They're trying to plot against Scott and Ramona. I thought that was a nice send off. But, dude, I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised that every cast member from the original film is voicing this, dude. 
Yeah, it goes back to what I said earlier. When it comes to the cast of the original movie, they had such a fun time with it that they've kept in contact with each other throughout all these years and everything. That Mm -hmm. when it came down to being like, oh, we're going to make like an animated series. Would anybody like to come back and like reprise their role? Everybody came back. It it wasn't like crazy. 50% or like a 90%. Like if you thought of a movie getting like a redo 10 years later of an animated thing and going, Oh yeah. 50% of the cast returned. You think that's amazing. They got 50% of the cast to return this one. They got a hundred percent of the cast to return. I was, yeah, dude, I was going to say when twin peaks came back for season three, right. You know, they, they got a, they got a good amount of cast members back, but, uh, but a couple of them, some had passed away, unfortunately, but a couple of them said, nah, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, dude, it, I was surprised that like like a hundred percent of the main cast came back. Yeah, and not even just main cast. It's like Aubrey Plaza came back for Julie Powers, which was a very well, minor role. You have yeah, that's kind of what I meant. But right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only people that had to be recast were the twins because in the movie, uh, the twins are actually played by two people that only speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. And their scenes that actually had to be directed by somebody else because Edgar Wright couldn't communicate with them. So it, having oh. them recasted was the only option, basically, unless they were going to go through English lessons for this movie, which, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. All right. That makes sense. That, that definitely makes sense. Hey, man. Um it might surprise you, dude, but I, I had a blast watching this, man. I, I inhaled this in one night because I figured, okay, I'll watch the first four episodes and then watch the rest over Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't bring myself to go away from the TV. I was like, I got to see what happens on the next episode. It's like watching a whole new story. Uh, I give this a five out of five. I think it's very well written, very well told, uh, very well animated and, and drawn as well. This is, yeah, this this is a great, uh, a great film. I mean, oh, a great series. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. It is. I will say when walking into this with expectations, it met none of my expectations, but created such new ones that I loved it all the way through. And because going into it being like, oh, man, we're finally getting a Scott Pilgrim animated series that's going to be like about the books. We're going to finally get people like Mr. Chow, Knives' dad. We're going to finally get Lisa Miller into this and everything. And those didn't happen. But at the same time, I don't feel cheated that those didn't happen because this was no longer Scott's story. As the title of the show puts it, Scott takes off. This is Ramona's show. And as such, she was the focal point of everything that happened, and it works so well. Yeah, I, and even the title of that show is, is a joke within itself. Scott Pilgrim yeah. takes off. I'm thinking he's lifting off, but like, no, he's just going to take off. No, he's just going to take off. This isn't his show anymore. He's gone. <laughs> wow, that's great. I love that, man. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um I think this is a good point to like kind of cut it off right here. You know, ain't, ain't really an after show on this one. You know, we were covering like a whole series and a movie. But well, um, actually, there's one thing I want to see if you caught this for the new animated series and everything. When going through that first episode, there is the one line that they change out for 
between Ramona and Scott when they first meet and he talks to her. He talks about Sonic instead in this one. And in oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. he talks about how Jaleel White voiced Sonic in two completely different Sonic cartoons mm. and how it's incredibly crazy that he played the same character with completely different tone in a completely different space, but with the same voice actor, which is making reference yeah. to the fact that the entire Michael cast Sarah of the movie playing, yeah. came back and played a completely different version of themselves in the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I caught that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny line. But okay, yeah, before we get out of here, give me some trivia, man. What's some stuff you noticed that I probably didn't catch? So when it comes to, well, do you want trivia on the movie or on the show? Uh, the show. So in the show, obviously, you have the entire thing with the robot, where if you actually pay attention, the robot changes a lot of things in the story. Like, he's the one that pulls Gideon up off of the roof, back onto it. Uh, He's the one that kind of is there when young Neil is filming the entire movie and everything, Mm -hmm. giving Scott that perspective of showing him everything that's happening. I kind of like how they explained that, because they have the Mm -hmm. robot through the entire thing going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, if you don't... It's a blink-and-you'll-miss-it kind of moment... But the tattoo that Todd Ingram gets where he loves Wallace and everything like that is still visible on him in the ending fight scene where, you know, his shirt lifts up a little bit and you can see the Wallace tattoo that he has still at the end of that. Uh, You also one of the things that I've seen people complain or not so much complain, but say, well, I don't get this is the fact that Ramona is going through all this trouble after just having one date with Scott and it's explained pretty well that they have sparks after, you know, their first kiss. And right, right. I, I love at the end when Wallace is like meeting mobile and they first kiss and he just goes sparks. So it is real, you know, because right. the entire rest of the movie, he's just going through dudes. And, you know, even with Todd Ingram, he's like, it's just a fling, man. And, but there were sparks. What's sparks? Uh, I absolutely love that kind of like just nod to that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I yeah I caught that stuff, man. But yeah, I, I'm trying to think <laughs> of like what other like major uh, scenes there were that it would be like a trivia thing. But I, I'm right. drawing a blank. I think I meant through most of them with uh discussing this one because there's there's a lot of callbacks that this makes a lot of like foreshadowing that does that Mm -hmm. it it, it makes it feel like a complete series well how about you just sit on it and uh you know get back to me on the next one there we go (laughs) absolutely all right well you know i had a blast uh making this with you man i know you've been waiting on this for a long time and uh i'm glad we uh finally did it uh, I would highly recommend everybody, you know, to give Scott Pilgrim a rewatch or, you know, watch it for the first time if you want. Then give this series a watch. Uh, I think they're both very fantastic to watch one after the other. And, uh, yeah, you know, don't forget to, you know, keep you know watching movies, discussing film. And uh, that's been another episode of DFV. Take care.